Are you ready to start living richer? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Live Richer podcast, hosted by Jamie Catmull, a podcast created for people to challenge and manage their ideas of wealth, culture, and money across the world, bringing you the best personal finance advice to make more, save more, and live richer. Now, here's your host, Jamie Catmull. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Live Richer podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about throwing that destination wedding you've always, always wanted. And to do that, I brought in one of the best experts out there, and her name is Lisa. Lisa, please introduce yourself. Tell us everything about you and even about your company, Elegant Weddings. Yeah, so um, I'm Lisa. I have been working in the wedding and event industry for almost 15 years. Um, with weddings now, it's been almost exclusive um, for the past 10 years. Uh, and within that, in 2017, I started doing a lot of destination weddings. I used to live abroad. Um, and so I kind of just took everything from my love of travel, living abroad, my experiences abroad, and my wedding planning knowledge, and brought them all together to kind of meld everything to create a, a package that now uh, I work with tons of couples from all over the place with. So that's kind of my, my background. Um, Elegante Weddings and Events started out of just wanting to create a very um, luxury high-end event planning experience while also you know, being a very personalized process because every wedding is different. Every couple's different. What's important to them is different. And so that is how everything came to be. So Lisa, how do we throw the ultimate destination wedding? I mean, what are your top three tips? Well, I think the most important thing to start with is where do you see yourself getting married, right? So when you're talking destination, is it more in the countryside, more in like a rolling hills, mountains? Is it on the water? And is that water like a beach? Or is it more just a water view? So I think that, you know, that's where you start when you're not sure exactly which destination you're interested in. Then the next thing I would say is talking about budget and kind of what you're comfortable with in terms of budget. And with that goes, how many people do you want to invite? Because budget and how many people you want to invite directly correlate to each other. And then I would say, shamelessly, you should get a wedding planner (laughs) because you might not be very familiar with that destination from an event planning standpoint. Even if it's a place that you've visited a lot, it's very different understanding how things work logistically and who the reputable vendors are, what are the places that can accommodate your size group and what you're looking for. So working with somebody who is a seasoned professional in destination wedding planning or in that specific area is very important. So would you go with somebody who lives in the place where you're wanting to have that destination wedding as the event planner or would you have find one online? I mean, how do you find a good wedding planner? Well, I think that, I mean, for me, I work with couples all over the, all over the country, all over the world. Um, and I work in places all over the world as well. So it's not that you have to have somebody who lives in that place. And what I have found is, you know, in, in the industry that I'm in, 
you start to learn kind of tricks of the trade. How do you find the best vendors in an area? What are the things that you look for from a credential standpoint to make sure that they're a good fit? And leaning on other professionals in the industry that have worked all over the world as well. Right. So in terms of how you kind of decide what the best fit is for you, I think a lot of it has to do with personality and what their their methods of planning are. Um, like for for me, I use a project management platform that I've developed and built out that creates like a portal for my clients. And so, you know, when I'm meeting with a client um, initially, I always show that process because I think that it really helps couples get an idea of what what to expect throughout the process rather than this kind of big picture, can't really figure out exactly how things are going to go. You know, I show an example of like a current couple and this is exactly what your process will be too. just insert the different destination. And like I have different um, checklists and things that I've built out based off of if you're doing a destination wedding, if you're doing something more local. And then like I do a lot of um, Indian weddings. So I have a special checklist for that because they just are different tasks that are associated with those sorts of things. So people, everybody wants to have this amazing wedding, especially a destination wedding. How do you stay within the budget? Because things come up or you're going to have brides that say, oh, I want this now. I want that now. I mean, do you ever get in situations where they're like, no, I want this. And then you come back with the price and then they're upset. And then, I mean, how do you give someone their vision and stay on the budget they give you? Well, I think that the relationship between a planner and a couple or sometimes that their parents are involved needs to be a very open one. The first meeting that I have with a couple once they've moved forward is a budget consultation. So like I send this like welcome email out and I list all these questions that they should talk about internally, right? About what is the what is the budget? Who's contributing to the budget? You know, write out a real list of who the people are that you think you want to invite. Because until you have that information, you can't even create a mock budget, right? So then when I meet with a couple, I go through every single line item to anticipate. And when we talk about their budget and what that overall number is, I kind of get a mix of people. Some people who are, this is the number, need to stay within this. This is, you know, this is the top. Okay, that's that's one category. Then there's another category of people who just like, they don't even know. They don't even know how much things cost. So they're looking to their to their planner to help educate them on how much things cost. So I think that for me, it's really important from a budget perspective to also be very honest with each other from the very beginning, if that's like a hard budget or if it's, you know, this is what our goal is, but if we really like it, please show it to us. Because as a planner, if I have someone who has a hard budget number, I'm only going to show them options in their budget and I will immediately tell them if they cannot afford something. Because there's no reason for me to tell them, yes, you can absolutely have that. You can have as many people as you want, all of these things, because it only becomes disappointing later. So I'd rather just be like, nope, you can't have that giant floral structure for your ceremony and have 150 people based off of the budget that you've given me, right? But I think a lot of it too, as a planner, is just, I'm educated on how much things cost. So it helps from going down that path of getting excited about something when it isn't something that you can afford. And, you know, 
I have a love-hate relationship with Pinterest because there's so many amazing things out there. But it's like, I want this centerpiece. That centerpiece is $900 and filled with paleonopsis orchids, tall and like a huge arrangement. And your total budget for flowers is 5000 You have 20 tables, you have 200 people, never have things, right? And I think that that's, uh, you know, how I approach it with people is like, I'm here to tell you, you cannot like don't don't go down that path because it's not it's not an enjoyable path to go down and like i think that that helps keep the process more on point um and allows you to get excited about the things that i i do show the clients because i'm strategically showing things in their budget i was just thinking that so many people go to pinterest and they probably bring you like their wedding dream board and how out of all those people, how many people actually have the money to do that? What they vision? I mean, what would the, does the average wedding cost that we're seeing out there? That's like in what, that we see in the magazines, like the really amazing ones, celebrity weddings. I mean, how much money do you think these people are throwing out there? That's a very difficult question to answer because it's very market dependent right? Like every market has a different price point that's associated with it. Like a New York wedding and an Iowa wedding aren't the same wedding, right? The, maybe I didn't what even you, think about that, Lisa. Like yeah. when you're just saying that right there, I did, sorry to cut you off. I just didn't even think about that, that where you have your wedding affects the price of the wedding. Absolutely. Because I mean, just think about the, the cost of labor, the cost of items, the cost of tax, the cost, like, all of those things impact what goes into your budget. It's just like when people say, well, my sister got married in Nebraska and it cost this much. It's like, well, you're not in Nebraska and it's not 15 years ago. So it's not the same. You can't compare the two, right? You have to be, you have to be realistic, right? And I think as, a, as the planner, I'm always like, you know, I'm just trying to be upfront and honest with you. Like me telling you a number or saying that you can have that when when you when you can't in the budget that you're talking about does nobody any good, right? So and and I always say like I'm the advocate for your budget. I'm your only vendor that's an advocate for your budget. I'm watching the budget. We've talked about the budget. I know holistically what's important, and every other vendor is in the place of how do I create the bigger sale, right? So that's kind of on. On my end, like how I look at it is like, you know, what is the value of a planner? And it's like that person's like looking out for you versus just trying to increase their sale. Increase their sell. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't even think about that because you're already slopped in. So as far as event planners go, how do they typically, how does that work? Do you quote them before the start of the wedding or how do you, how do you pay an event planner as far as when it goes to the wedding? And how do you work that out with them and pay them? Well, like the person, as a just like anything in life, it varies from planner to planner because it depends on what type of planning package you're looking at. Are you looking for coordination, partial planning, full planning, destination planning, multi-day planning? Right, those are different packages that are associated with things. And then some planners do a flat fee. Some people do a like a percentage uh, based planning package. Some people have minimum budgets. It just depends. And again, it's very regionally specific, right? So depending where you're, where you're planning and where the planner is based, like different markets just have different ways of doing things. So it's, it's not as 
blanket of a statement to say, an event planner costs this much, right? It's like, what are you doing with the event planner? And, you know, what market are you in? And how involved is your wedding, right? The wedding that I'm doing on a private estate where I'm spending a whole week building out the property in the backyard with a tent, with a leveled floor, with bringing in flooring within um, like hanging installations. And then there's a cocktail hour tent. Then we have the transportation. It's a it's a multi-day experience. That's not the same as a hotel. Right. So I think that where everything is in-house and turnkey. Right. So and it's it's not that that one is necessarily um, less grand or beautiful or anything like that. It's just it's a different level of logistic planning. That makes perfect sense. So this goes to a question as we've been sitting here, I've been thinking about is, is a destination wedding cheaper than just having maybe a wedding at a venue somewhere? I mean, can it be? And if so, which destination right now is more cost effective? If someone was like, I want to do a destination wedding, which would be, where's somewhere someone could go that you feel is probably the best deal for your buck? Okay, so I'm going to give the same answer that I gave before. Of it depends where local is for you, right? In comparison to other places. And what destination are you looking at? I do a lot of planning in Italy because that's where I used to live and I speak the language. But a Lake Como wedding and an Umbria wedding and a Sicily wedding aren't the same price point. Umbria is going to oh, really? be... Very, no, not at all. I would have never thought that. So even within countries where you have it at in that country, affects price. Oh my goodness. So much to take in. Think about when you travel somewhere, right? It's like saying, oh, hotels should all cost the same. It doesn't. It doesn't cost the same because sometimes you're in a small town and sometimes you're in a metropolitan area and sometimes you're in a luxury property, right? So all of those things, whether it's in the U.S., Italy, Mexico, Bahamas, France, all of those same factors that take place in one one section of the country or a city it are the same factors that impact in other places of the world, right? So, I mean, definitely, I can tell you, you know, Umbria is less expensive than Lake Como, but some people want Lake Como. And it's my it's my job to know what does a wedding cost in Lake Como? Because Lake Lugano, which is right over the border in Switzerland, is less expensive than Lake Como and very similar, but you don't have the name Lake Como, right? And that that is important to some people. So it's learning like the little tricks and things that go into that Lake Garda, which is also in Italy, you know, a less expensive lake than Lake Como. People of Tuscany. Umbria is a very similar terrain, much less expensive. The villas and uh, properties are much larger. So if you have a larger wedding, like uh, in terms of guests coming to stay, many more people can stay at a place in Umbria than most places in Tuscany and for a much more cost-effective price. And it's a similar terrain. But some people want to be in Tuscany because that's important to them. 
And I think that those are things that you kind of like learn as a as a planner. I've learned like to ask the questions to figure out underneath everything what's most important to you because that impacts how we plan. Because maybe like Como is super important to you, but having the big cast count isn't. Or maybe just n- not having everyone stay together is important. You know, and, and some people that's literally the most important thing for them is that every guest is staying together. So I mean that that's about, you know, that's how I like to approach it with people is kind of like figuring out what is most important. Here's a question as far as etiquette goes. Should the person throwing the destination wedding pay for people to come to the their flights and things for the wedding? And I mean, what do people typically do? I've often wondered that. Like when it comes to this destination wedding, you invite people. Do you pay for their hotel? Do you I know everything like that? Or they're kind of on their own when it comes. I mean, what are you seeing and what is the proper thing to do? It's culturally impacted. I will say that. For example, a lot of my Indian weddings feel responsible from their cultural standpoint to cover kind of once they've landed wherever the wedding is through the end of it. Right. So that that's one side. Other other people, um, I would say my average couple that isn't Indian or Malaysian or like, you know, kind of from Southeast Asia, that that category of wedding, the guest is responsible for getting themselves, you know, light wise to wherever the wedding is and covering the cost of their room. So that is what I see the most. Just like within the United States. I mean, I even do destinations within the United States, but like it's it's kind of, you know, as people have moved from place to place and like maybe you went to college in a different state from where you're living, so you have people yeah. flying, you know, in within the US, you know, the the norm is not you're paying for their flights and their hotel rooms, right? Like that's you know, here's the hotel booking link. Please RSVP if oh, you do get, okay. <laughs> right, it's kind of so that So you way. at least but you do give people that. That's what I was wondering, like working with you, Lisa, I know you have a travel agency too for these destination weddings. So do you give lots of times, help those people find maybe a good deal or work a deal out? So since they're booking this many rooms, they can get a better deal than maybe somebody trying to do this on their own? Yeah. So it kind of varies from place to place. So like with Mexico, for example, let's say you're doing an all-inclusive. Yeah. Yes, I absolutely do the hotel contract. And then like I work directly with all of the guests in booking their rooms, but we create a room block contract that the couple is, you know, responsible for on an attrition basis. And we kind of go through, you know, here's invite, invited people. Here's who we think is coming for sure. You know, what sorts of rooms, like if there's a, like several families, you know, they're not going to be in a one bedroom. So we need to reserve some of the other categories. Um, so that's one side of it. Then if you're in a more local wedding where you're just offering hotel blocks, Yes. We'll go to the different hotels. You know, sometimes like I I do a lot in Chicago and it's like, okay, we're going to do two kind of price points of hotel blocks. One that's a more um, high end and then one that's more kind of like middle, middle of the lane, you know, kind of the Hyatt house, Hyatt centric courtyard, you know, that kind of level. And then something that might be a little bit nicer. So there's those sorts of contracts. Then when you're in Europe, it's a different beast. Because most of the time, my couples are hosting 
their event where accommodations are also located. So when that's the case, you're buying out the property that has the rooms on property. And then, but I'll, I'll just give an example because it's easier, right? So it's going to be this villa. It's got 26 rooms. The, the actual event is going to be there. And so like, you know, up to maybe 60 people can stay on property. Then the couple is contracted for that, in t- like buying out the whole place, right? They're responsible for that contract because they're not able to sell those rooms, but you want everybody to be able to stay together. So then they end up that they charge the guests for the rooms because they're contracted financially for the rooms. So they're going to contract, let's say it's $45,000, right? And then you have 60 rooms and you did, or um, 26 rooms and you divide it out, you know, the whatever the rooms are divided by the 26 rooms and that's the cost of the rooms. And if you want to book a room, you have to pay them for the rooms. Oh, so that's how people do it. I've always wondered that. So it was like, very interesting. So there's a lot more to it than people have any idea. I bet they come to you, the average person, and they're like, what? This, that? I, you know, are people, are flowers, I mean, a big cost? I, what would you say is probably the biggest cost when it comes to a wedding and uh, surprises people the most? Food and flowers. Well, I would say people really? are the most expensive. 100% people. Just people. Because with... Yeah, guests are the most expensive part of a wedding. But so the, if you want to have um, a budget-friendly wedding, don't invite that very very many people, and then you can have better food and better flowers. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. The more people, but, I mean, I think the more people, the more it's going to cut into your budget when it comes to those type of things, right? Absolutely. So, and like a lot of the times when I'm putting together a budget for a couple, I associate a cost with a guest. Right, because me saying catering costs X means nothing if you don't know how much the per person cost is. Because if suddenly a mom of the bride decides she must invite these forty extra people that are, you know, she went to their weddings and she, you know, all of those things, which is totally fine. It doesn't make it suddenly fit into the original number that we talked about. Right. So I associate a cost saying like, okay, it's $220 per person based off of 150 people. And that's what the estimated number is. Because then, you know, mom can also look at it and say, okay, if I invite these 40 people to 25 times 40, that that's part of the cost that's associated with it. Then I I say, okay, then you have 40, pe- 40 people, four tables, right? Four centerpieces. Oh my goodness. Four sets of mise en play. You have the linen, 40 chairs, because some places don't have their own chairs. Some people don't have their own tables. So you're renting all of that in. And so when you start to add those expenses up, you know, it. you start to see how expensive people are. That's when you start really evaluating if you want someone to come or not. Is it really that important? And what's more important, me having the wedding in my dreams or having everybody that and people... I don't even know coming to my wedding. So but I'm sure it, you see that a lot. It's important though, because it's like, it's easy, it's easy to think that sometimes, but it's also, you know, who's paying for the wedding, right? Because that impacts who's the most important 
guests to who's guest. paying. Right. So I think that that it's important to understand the dynamic of the situation as well, too, because, you know, I have a really wide variety of dynamic between I'm just working with the couple. I'm like exclusively working with the parents. I'm working with a mix. I'm working with just the bride's parents and the bride and groom. I'm working with, you know, sometimes I have two brides or two grooms, you know, what's that scenario of who's contributing to the wedding, right? So it's important to know, you know, who is contributing because that impacts what's most important. Because if mom and dad of the bride are paying for the wedding, if they want to invite people, you know, and depending on their relationship, maybe, maybe that's their, maybe that's their agreement, right? That they can invite who they want to. And maybe you know, I, I also have the dynamics where, you know, a, a parent is contributing, but the bride and groom are like, but it's these people. And this is the only, these are the people we are inviting and you get 10 guests to invite that are outside of this list. You know, like it's, it's a different scenario with different people. So what would you think is the one thing that makes a wedding great? Like, is it the location? Is it the flowers? Is it the food? I mean, if you had to, I would say it's somewhere. No, I, I mean, at the end of the day, when I tell people, and when, and then like, I'm, I'm in the business of luxury wedding planning, right? Like, I've, I've seen it all, right? But the most important thing to a wonderful wedding day is the couple loving each other, right? That's really? the baseline for if everyone who's there sees how much you love each other and that you're excited about whatever is there, they're along for the ride and they're happy to be there with you. Right. And I think that it starts with don't get lost in feeling like you need all of this stuff to make the wedding great. That's not true. Everyone's there to celebrate you, you two getting married. That's the most important part of the day. And that's the whole reason the day is existing. Right. So like if you can't get the photo booth that you want, no one cares. Everyone's there to celebrate you, right? So it's it's also, you know, putting things into perspective about what what is important, so to say. You know, I think that it's got to start with feeling like it's a representation of the two of you as a couple and that it's a day filled with, like, love and happiness. That's the whole point of having a wedding. Yeah, I did. You know, that's so true. I think people get caught up on everything else when they're throwing it and they're so worried about everybody that's coming that they forget of why everybody's coming in the first place, Perfect. right? They forget that you're there to celebrate love and that's what makes people excited and makes them happy that you're happy because they love you. Okay. And that's so true. I But I can see how people get lost. They just get lost and get upset when they can't have what they want. They think it's ruined. Uh, little they know it's not ruined at all. If you true or let me tell you as somebody as somebody who was a planner during COVID nineteen and all of the reschedules, all of the adjustments, all of the different I mean, a destination planner too. Like oh my goodness. The travel regulation, you know, if anything, you know, that can be taken away from that. It's just that at the end of the day marrying each other and having like the most important people see you around you and making the most of it is always the most important part of a wedding day. That's the root 
cause of the whole day. So, you know, I, I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had over the years of, you know, people who, like you said, kind of get lost in the shuffle of everything. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's bring it back. No, no one's gonna, no one's gonna care about that. Like, don't take out a loan against your IRA to cover the cost of the upgraded. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares. Like, that's not important enough for that. Right? So I think that I also, I try to be the voice of reason in things too, because it's, some people get, um, like, that they've been to so many weddings and they've seen this and seen that. And it's like, yeah, but that's their wedding, not your wedding. So you got to do what's best for you. So I think I think that that's an important takeaway in the process of working together. I, I was going to just say something that's so negative. But I was just like, yeah, and you never know. I mean, what's the percentage of people that get divorced? I know it's really high. <laughs> it might be, you know, through this big event, you may be upset that you spent so much money if it didn't work out. But um, well, I can see I have that to too. Say, in ten I, years of planning. 10 years of planning, I have no divorces. Really? See, it's because they had they loved each other. That is really awesome. Because everybody else I always talk to, like all these people we interview, they're like, well, you know, you got to be take that into consideration that you might not even be married to this person. You know, and your parents say that and different stuff. Like, I'm not going to spend all this money and who knows how it's going to work out. But, you know, that just proves to me that things do work out. And the, like you said, well, you and I would say I've, I've definitely had some weddings. I've had weddings that don't make it to the finish line that I've started planning, right in the in the process. But so well, far, right, they learned if they can so work far, together. Literally in the wood. process. Yep, knock on wood, or at least th- to my knowledge, no one that I've worked with is divorced. So, I mean that that's not the case for everybody and i have worked with a lot of people where one of them has been divorced right and they're having a second you know where one of them it's their second wedding but yeah we've uh not that i know of not that i'm in touch with every single couple i've had over the past 10 years but so far i mean instagram makes it easy to stay like at least abreast of what's going on more than anything they all have babies (laughs) So rather than divorces, they have babies. <laughs> so I've seen I've seen it down the line. I've done lots of siblings, lots of friends, you know, throughout the years. So you would say having an event planner, throwing a major elegant wedding, it's a real test <laughs> if you're going to make it as a couple. If you can make it through the process, there's a good chance you're going to make it as a couple. Mm-hmm. I, I think so. You've seen real love. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, you know, there's all sorts of family dynamics that you get to see that it's important to experience those <laughs> ahead of time. <laughs> you you would actually, all these decision-making, all these things, all these people. Oh, yeah, I can see the fighting going down. I can see that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But that's awesome to see that you've been able to experience people that were truly in love. And that's a positive thing. And I love hearing those positive things. There's another question I always ask everybody before we sign off, and that is, what does living richer mean to you? So when you hear the word living richer, what does it mean to you? 
Oh, that's a loaded question. I mean, for me, I think I'm in a place in my life where, you know, I own several businesses and work for myself. And talking about creating a rich life is a life full of uh, passion for what you do with a, a balance for taking care of your businesses or, you know, work life, but also your your personal life, whether that be a relationship or children, or even just taking yourself on a date or taking care of yourself. You know, I think that that's, to me, there are, there's a difference between having a lot of money and living a rich life. And I think that that's, you know, constantly the the quest, right? But having that balance where you feel like, you know, you worked really hard to earn what you have, but you're also enjoying what you're doing in a work and personal uh, life situation. Yeah, I think that's a really good advice, you know, being able to enjoy it, right? Work you hard, play hard is what I say. <laughs> right. I mean, if you're working all the time for that money and then you're not happy, what's the point, right? If yep. you're doing things that don't make you happy, you truly can't live that rich life. And like you said, and I think surrounding yourself with people that encourage and support the things that make you excited in your work life. You know, I think I feel very blessed that I have found something in my life that I am so passionate and excited about. Not everybody has that right from a work perspective. And I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that I have. And I think, you know, surrounding yourself with people who don't constantly say like oh you work too much or you know like why do you answer emails at night it's like because i want to <laughs> that's why but i also will go on a destination wedding and extend my trip by three days because i'm already in italy so why not go and have a good time you know it's it's about having that kind of permission to enjoy and do what you do and and have you know i'm i'm lucky i have a i have a great husband and he he's like yeah, let's, you know, you're going to go to Italy, like, I'll come too, you know, and I think that that's versus like, oh, you have to travel for work again. It's about finding somebody, you know, and surrounding yourself with people who are very encouraging of your lifestyle, and the the way that you, you work and live your life versus, you know, telling you that it should be different. I think that's great. And I like the fact that you said your husband comes too. And he supports you and what you're doing. I think that also really helps out a lot when it comes to that, having someone who supports what you love to do, makes it a lot more enjoyable. It makes life more fun. And one thing... Yeah. Well, it gives you someone to celebrate with. Yeah. Like I, I think it's important to surround yourself with people who celebrate your successes and don't, don't you know, nitpick at them. You know, I, I think that we've all been in, at least entrepreneurs, right? you've been surrounded by somebody who like doesn't get it right and if that person is around you all the time like makes you it diminishes what you're doing and what you're excited about because you feel like ooh like i it's like if i if i book a wedding in a different country it's like i'm excited about it if you feel like you can't if the person you tell who's like you live life with is going to be critical of it when you're excited about it, like throughout time, like that eventually like diminishes your work and diminishes your excitement about something you're excited about. 
Yeah. And the last thing people want is their event planner to be in a bad mood because her husband's giving her grief because she's there and she's supposed to be calming you down and be happy, right? On your happy, on your day with all the stress. And yeah, last thing she needs is more stress from when it comes to her home and what she's doing there. That's that makes 100% sense about what it means to live richer well, and, and I happy, think happy. Too, like it all trickles down. It trickles down to the experience that you give your clients. Like if you love what you do and you're excited, like, I mean, so many of the weddings I have this coming year, I'm like, who's more excited about certain things, me or them? Because, oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like I have this wedding coming up over, um, it's like in, in mid-May that I'm like, I'm so excited about their color palette. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> like, I know they're excited, but I'm, I'm, again, I think like I might be even more excited than them. Or like when I have a really beautiful invitation suite, I'm like, you know, I like call my mom and I'm like, look at how cool these are. <laughs> you know, and I think that working with somebody who loves that stuff, it, you feel it all the way through the process, you know, and that's also why I feel like a lot of, a lot of times my, my couples, like they become friends like I'll, I'll never forget this time in june of last year i was in tuscany with a couple and they were getting married they had this magical wedding in a castle it was beautiful and at, at the end of the night the groom was like you know he had had a couple of drinks but he's like we don't want to break up with you oh <laughs> my god like, we don't have to break up we can be friends in real life oh <laughs> so my think, goodness like, you know but it's so awesome that that's the experience that i have with these people because it's just very fulfilling for all around, right? It's when you feel like, you know, your wedding planner, your event planner has your back and you trust them and you really like them and that they know what you like and what you don't like and what you're going for. And you have that kind of rapport. You know that they're going to do everything in their power to make your wedding magical. And as a as a planner, you know, like when I meet with couples, I also want it to be a good fit, right? Like, it's not just about, you know, talking about having a richer life. It's not about just sell the contract, sell the contract, sell the contract. No. If I don't feel like the couple is a good fit, I won't take the wedding because I'm not going to spend 18 months of my life wishing we weren't working together. You know, I mean, it, or feeling like, I'm constantly being like criticized or diminished or, you know, like, no, I'm, I don't need to do that. So like, I think it's important that interview process, it's not a one-sided interview, it, at least for me, right? I need to make sure that we're on the same wavelength so that it's going to be a good experience for everybody and that everybody's going to have a good time while they're doing it. Thanks, Lisa. I just want to thank Lisa for coming on and sharing all her great advice with us and to remind all of our listeners to live richer. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Before you go, we'd love for you to subscribe to our show to catch all of our updates. Also, we want to hear from you. What are your burning questions about money and how to live your best life? Reach us at livericherpod at gobankingrates.com.